My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Yes, it is Judd's Hockey Show. And what a difference JHS has become. What a different show. What a positive show since clearly the only trouble with the Wild with that horrendous start was Dean Evison, Declan Goff. So after they beat the Blues in the first game in which John Hines coaches, they then come back on Thursday and play Hines' former team, the Nashville Predators, and it's a 6-1 to one win. Um, let's just go through it because it, it's, it's incredible. Connor Dewar, fourth-line center, right? Uh-uh-uh. He's Mike Bossy now. He got a hat trick last night. What the hell? Should have um, had four. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, Philip Gustafson couldn't stop a beach ball two weeks ago. Like Declan could like have just taken a beach ball and lofted it at Gus, and the Gus balls would have been like, uh, uh, and the ball would have gone in the net. Now he's Ken Dryden. Um, all right, let's just start here. What do you make of this whole thing? And, you know, it's early enough where, yeah, they're behind in points from playoff spot, but it's not too late to make some type of run here. What do you expect? Like, what do you make of this? And do you expect it's going to, how much do you expect it's going to keep up? Uh, I don't expect to keep up. I don't expect them to win games, you know, six, nothing on whatnot. Like they, like the offensive explosion they had yesterday. Uh, I don't expect Connor Dewar to all of a sudden be a, you know, one first line center, like, like he was last night, scoring a bunch of goals. Um, this is a, this is a jolt in my opinion. This is a, this is a nice, nice little change of pace. And I'm not, like upset of course that they're winning games like this after you know basically going a whole month of november without winning a regulation game um but i i don't expect that you know all of a sudden just after two games that now they have everything in the right direction and they're a threat in the western conference and look think look out here come the wild um i think this is a classic jolt of a team that fired their coach um and you know the capri like kaprizov i thought last the, the biggest positive i had yes last night was i thought kaprizov looked a lot better. And, you know, I know Dean uh, post firing here has thrown some more logs on the fire of he's still battling the recovery from that injury from last year. And it, it takes a while and he's still not all a hundred percent. I thought last night, I mean the, the Kaprizov goal that set up the, was doers first or second goal last night um, mm-hmm. was phenomenal. Uh, that was just Kaprizov being Kirill drawn so much attention and rewarding a teammate. But in general, um, I don't really buy this as the new wild and this is what you should expect going forward. Good for them for winning some games here and, and, and getting out of the muck, but I'm not going to be buying a whole lot of stock in this quite yet. So John Hines clearly has changed a couple of things here and there, but they're, but they're probably more cosmetic because I mean, you know, Tuesday night, he had no time Thursday. Yeah. They, they practiced and had, I think a fairly lengthy practice on Wednesday to change some things, but you know, let's talk about what's different. The demeanor is a thousand percent because now they're playing with a confidence that they just completely lacked. Um, I think the speed, like they look like they're playing again at a pace that's fun to to watch. Like I hadn't thought about how plotting this team looked, but they really did. The goaltending, which is a big focus of yours, which you're right about that, which had been, you know, the entire team was playing bad, but the goaltending wasn't helping one bit. Gustafson last night, yes, it was 6-1, but that game could have been a very different game if the bus didn't play that well. 
So I just, I find it interesting. I agree with you completely. It's a jolt. It's the most hockey thing of hockey things. It's why I would have made a change before. Um, as Bill, you know, Bill Guerin came to the conclusion, we're not going to come back from this. And I agreed completely. You know, Dean's whole thing was, well, if you had given me time, I could have done this too. Okay, I don't know you could have. I don't know that it didn't look past the point of no return for Dean Everson. But I think the interesting thing is in watching how they're playing, it looks like they're playing faster. It looks like they're not playing like they're thinking, which they were previously. Um, and and just to be very clear, and I tweeted this as well a few times last night, you know, this is an indictment on the players as well. Like you had, I understand that you weren't playing well, and I understand that you were slumping, but to see the last six periods of hockey, right, and to see how they're now engaged and how they're playing is, it's an indictment as well on you either tuned Dean out, you either lost your confidence and didn't really care. so. I don't know what to make of this. I'm not sure it continues for the long haul, but Dex, I go back to this one. And yes, this coaching change took place in February and Dean actually replaced Boudreaux in a February as well. But you know, both those teams Dex got real jolts from coaching changes that lasted a while. And, and in, you know, the wild had lost eight games in a row when yo got fired in 2016, they were hopelessly out of the playoff race. They then won, I think, three in a row and like um, eight of their next 11 and made the playoffs. So I'm assuring nothing as far as the playoffs go, but I am curious to see now again with a team that looks like they care what they can do. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's hard to like parse through these last two games versus, you know, the other 15, 18 games before them where they looked mostly helpless. And, you know, the thing that can save you and the thing that I've been harping on is goaltending. So, like, if Gus and Flurry, and I'll even throw the penalty kill in there. If your goaltending is yep. better and the penalty yep. kill is drastically improved, okay. Like, okay. The Wild can play sustainable, good hockey that should be able to result them in winning a lot more games and losing their games. But I think that's too tall the task right here. Like, yeah, Gus looked great yesterday after, to your point, allowing couldn't stop a beach ball before, and Flurry's same type of thing. Those are things that in my opinion, if you can fix and if they get trended back in the right direction, the Wilds' wins will start to pick up a little bit more. You cannot win games with their goaltending that they had and the how poor their penalty kill. Like I've given up, I've given up on the power play of the Wild ever being like successful until being proved otherwise. Like I would love for it to be successful. I'm not trying to say that, but I think it. If you're looking for things, if you're a Wild fan or if you're wondering what can be sustained success here. Can you get your goaltending in the right direction? And can you have your penalty kill not be a complete sieve? If those mm-hmm. two things are in the right direction, which honestly the Wild have had usually pretty good, those two things have gone hand in hand with them on this, what, nine consecutive years or nine of the last 10 years that they've been in the playoffs, then yes, this is a team that can be in the playoff conversation. But if those two things aren't fixed or if they're inconsistent, then they're going to be 100% outside of the playoff bubble. PK, 4-4 last night. Mm-hmm. looked really, really good. Um, I think there's a, a conversation on that specifically also about the decision. It, it's weird. After the uh, Dallas playoff loss, they moved out the assistant coach um, who was in charge of what the power play, and he went to coach the Iowa Wild in a promotion, de- demotion type of deal, but they didn't mm-hmm. move out Bob Woods. And, you know, this team gave up nine power play goals to Dallas. And I think you could have made a very clear case that your special teams just needs to be 
overhauled completely at that point. And I wonder if hanging on to Bob Woods had some, because we, we don't know how things work behind the scenes. I wonder if that had some residual impact. Cause I mean, that penalty kill was just absolutely terrible. And now it looks competent. Like it doesn't look terrible now. So I just, I think this is such an interesting thing. And, and, you know, again, in the Yoda to torch change in the Boudreaux to Everson change that those teams got real sparks, but that was February. Mm-hmm. Uh, this right. is December. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I just, I'm curious what we're going to see. Cause if the wild, if the wild plays like they did against the blues, so six, one is excessive. Like the Nashville game's excessive. I'm not going to say, well, that's the standard, but you know, the blues game first period wasn't great. It was okay. Not great. Yeah. Second and third, they look good. And that to me counters what, what you have said or questioned, which is just flat out. Is this team good? And I don't think that they're like good, but I do think that they certainly can play with most teams most nights. And in hockey, if you can do that, you can lose by a goal, win by a goal, but you certainly look okay. That's where I think that this team is at. And my question to this entire situation becomes, can John Hines get this type of effort? Can John Hines push enough buttons? Because we could talk about systems all we want. Let's be very clear. In hockey, Coaching is also about pulling puppet strings. Yep. Like it's very much about, do you instill a confidence? Do the young players, do the key players like you? Like hockey is, yes, we could talk about, um, you know, the four check, the the neutral zone uh, formation that you use. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of it comes down to your shelf life and what type of confidence that you can instill with your players. And I don't mean to talk out of both sides of my mouth, but you know, you brought up the point did Bob Woods and, you know, just the assistants, did they have, did they play a part in the special teams, not living up to its potential for sure? They did. You know, I, yeah. I know I said, I don't trust the power plays automatically fixed here, but 100%. I mean, the assistant coaches kind of lost, you know, their, the schemes. And I know Dean again in the, in this post-mortem, I don't know how to describe what he's going through right now. But in in these uh, his world it, tour, he's yes. like on a tour. He's yes, like McCart- tour. He's like McCartney. He's he won't stop Vans. touring. He in in my generation, he's on his Vans Warp tour right here, uh, yep. going to all all the cities and playing the hits. But uh, you know, he mentioned that you know exact what they did against the Blues, the exact game plan that they laid out. Because I mean, Dean watched. They all did film. They had film reviews ready to go, and then at the end of the workday. Uh, that's when Dean got let go and they did all the things that Dean thought they were going to do or they wanted to execute. And they executed that against the blues. But yeah, I mean, the, these new assistant coach was it, is it Patrick Dwyer? Dwyer? Uh, the new assistant coach they hired. They was former Hurricanes, Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. Oh no, no. You're ta- talking about the Canucks guy, Jason King, who came in to run the power play, but then yep. they also, they fired Woods and brought up an assistant coach from Iowa on Monday, Monday as well. Yes. Um, but so two, I mean, two new assistants basically now can, yeah. Can those guys get more out of their special teams? I, I think they can. I think the, I just think the penalty kill is more obtainable to fix in the power play. I, yeah, I agree. you know, the, 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 I know that they don't have dumb anymore, but like the core of the penalty killers that they have, the way the wild are set up, the way that they have their players in their bottom six and their defensive pairings in general that team should be good on the penalty kill. I know we've kind of pers- we've kind of projected that on power plays as well, but I think that's more wishful thinking. The way this team is constructed, there's really no excuse personnel-wise for them to be poor on the penalty kill, and that's where I think 
I have more trust that that will get turned around than I do the power play. Well, and I would, I, I think I would make a case too that if you told me, because if you told me only one of those two can be turned around, I'll take the PK because there's nothing more deflating than just, you know, every game you're like, we're going to give up at least one or two uh, uh, power play goals against. On the power play, let's talk about that for a second because here's the one thing. Well, last night and and it's changing a little bit he's playing he is way more engaged now and it's not uh, Kaprizov who I also want to discuss Declan it's Boldy so Boldy finally Boldy played really well on Tuesday finally scored a goal beautiful breakaway pass from Bodine Boldy goes in and scores of course he crashes into the net because he can't do anything easy but last night he had a few more just unbelievable chances uh the one I'm thinking of is he had the goaltender down in front and he was on his backhand with a wide open yawning net. And he actually put the puck over the net into the um, protective netting above the goal. As far as power play goal goes, Boldy has to get his entire confidence back. And this is my question like about him. What happened there exactly? And I know he got hurt. Like, like we can make excuses. Spurgeon was hurt, and then he came back, and he didn't play as well, right? Boldy was hurt, and then he came back, and he didn't play as well. But Boldy still appears like he's trying to get his confidence back. I think if Boldy gets his confidence back, he is made for power play success. But, you know, despite the goal on Tuesday, I don't think we're there yet. Mm-mm. I don't think we're there yet. And I have no idea if this has to do with what Dean did. I have no idea if this has to do with they were injured or they just lost confidence. It's sort of a mystery. At least it is in the case of Matthew Boldy. Yeah. And your two superstar players and whether Kirill's, you know, still battling that injury. That's one thing. The Boldy one, I think is probably even more perplexing, isn't it? You know, like, like what, what, what the hell happened here? And again, yeah, because yeah, was- I have no, yeah, it is. He was injured for sure, and yep. he missed time. But then he comes back, and what he went seven weeks, six weeks without a goal, like that's that's absurd. And he's supposed to he's played as your second best offensive player, and yeah, I mean nothing comes easy. He crashes into the net there hard, but you need Boldy and Kaprizov for sure. But you need both those guys to score big goals for you. I mean, they got rid of Kevin Fiala because they decided that in, in big moments he's not worth paying and he's not worth trusting to score big goals and. That was a, you know, an interesting bet by Bill Guerin to make, and I think in general now people are coming to the side of, oh, that was actually a really good trade. They got Brock Faber, they got a first round pick. Like that was actually a really good trade for the Wild to do when they traded one of their best offensive talents. But Boldy has to play better. Um, Boldy has to be a guy that they that is the twenty five thirty goal score that we've seen. Yes. Got to such a great start to his career, but the Wild's offense can't afford for him to have a ten goal season. Right. Like they he he needs he needs to be a 25, 30 goal threat year in and year out. Um, otherwise, also, that investment's going to be bad. Like they they made the decision to lock him up early. You know, they could have drawn this out, made him an RFA, gone bridge deals, waited a little bit. And he potentially probably would have been more expensive if he lived up to his potential. But they, you know, was the the Brewers just locked in their top prospect to an absurd deal that we haven't heard of before for a guy that hasn't played a major league game. They didn't do the exact same thing with Boldy, but they decided early, let's get this guy locked up. And I don't think we questioned the contract. We, I think, both, oh, that's an interesting move for you to do to lock up a guy with only, what, less than 100 games of NHL experience at the time. Um, so, yeah, they they need Boldy to be 
basically they're, you know, Robin to Kaprizov's Batman. Well, and he is also in, in look, it's been different coaches. It's been different GMs as well, but he is the third power forward type of guy who we've seen this type of drop off from, which includes what appears to be a complete loss of confidence. Coyle over to Greenway to Boldy. Mm-hmm. And look, Char- Charlie Coyle in Boston has got himself right. Like he has had yep. a nice, and, and if you had given, if you had given the wild that version of Charlie Coyle, he stays here. Uh, Jordan is probably a different story, but the point is too. And, and here's where, you know, Bill Guerin at the press conference announcing Dean's firing on Monday took a bunch of questions about things. And, you know, he flat out said, Bolds is really struggling here. And he is, and I would say this, you know, Billy, you are, you played the position that, that Boldy is playing for a long time and you were really damn good. Part of it's because you're talented, but part of it's because you are a tough SOB. You are a tough hombre. And I realize that today's players are different, but I mean, Matthew Boldy cannot disappear. He's too big a person to disappear. Like he can struggle. That's fine. But then you've got to add something. He's too good not to add something. You should come away from every game that you watch saying, I saw 12 do something. It might be hits. It might be, but it's, you know, presence of some sort. And that was my problem was you were getting no, and and it really reminded me Dex of when, um, when Coyle would would go in the tank, you know, because how many, how long did we talk about that years ago? You know, Charlie Coyle is going to be great power forward, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and, but then it just got to be like, well, he disappeared again for a month. What happened there? When you give a guy $49 million over seven years, he can't disappear. That's not acceptable. So like, we can all say, well, he's struggling too bad, but no, you need to get yourself out of that and you need to contribute and you have to play with confidence. I don't care what the goals are. You have to play with confidence. Um, On Kaprizov, what was your take on Dean? And I'm guessing he's talked about this with Dukes and guys now as well, but um, in particular in the athletic, in the piece that Russo did over bacon and eggs with Dean. What was your uh, takeaway on the fact that Dean flat out said that Kaprizov is not fully healthy from the hit he took against the Jets, which kept him out to the playoffs last season, and that they had him checked out some more, and that that is definitely, in Dean's mind, or at least he insinuated, that's playing a role or was in Kaprizov's start? I'm not surprised. Um, If he's indeed injured, that that would give you a legitimate excuse to why or at least there, there's a reason why he's not producing i should say um if he's indeed still injured i mean that's that was such a weird situation that he got injured on and i guess the rehab of it is a lot tougher than we think and um you know the hockey off season i know what the wild always get bounced the first week of may or late april but um it's been what four or five months since that's taken place now six months because we're into december and he's still not a hundred percent so if that was the case i guess why wouldn't you just I know it's tough bill to swallow, but why wouldn't you just LTIR him or put him on IR to start the year and let him still rehab and get to the point where he's supposed to be? And hockey players are tough SOBs. I get that. They play through a lot of pain. But if that was the case, why wasn't why wasn't he just put on injury reserve to start the season if he's not 100%? And then I get he was only at 90%. He can still play and lace up the skates and go. That's one thing. But you're, he's your superstar player. He's your prize investment. He is the whole reason you know, this team operates, I would have rather him miss the first 15, 20 games and then him be at a hundred percent by this time. And then instead of him battling through an injury and has to grind the rest of the way and it's still going to be aggravated. Like it was just a really interesting decision by himself and maybe the coaching staff to not just put him on into reserve to start the year. Well, and that that's the GM as well, because I mean, that 
that goes upstairs. Hell, that, that probably goes up to ownership. Um, so let's talk this through. So my guess is this. My guess is he's still in, in either some pain or it's slowing him down a bit. But clearly, the medical staff cleared him because if they said, hey, he shouldn't play, I don't think anyone in St. Paul is dumb enough to say, let's play him. So clearly, he started he started the season, let's say, at 75%. And the medical staff said he can't do more damage, but he's not going to be his, his full, full self. It feels like then when the team went to Europe, which is weird because it's a long plane flight, but when they went to Sweden, it felt like his play started to pick up. I'm not saying Kaprizov-esque, but I'm saying from really being invisible to, oh, he's making some plays. So now in, in these last two games where he is making a lot more plays, here's what I think we're dealing with here. And again, I'm going to give the wild medical staff the benefit of the doubt completely and say that he was cleared to play there's no problems like he's not healthy completely but he's also not going to do more damage here's what i think he needs to learn too just because you can't be your superstar self doesn't mean you still can't be very damn good and it felt like he was playing or watching him now with what dean volunteered to russo it feels like Kirill was playing tentative because it probably hurt and he was probably frustrated. He can't do, I think one thing he can't do, because if you go back to that play against the jets, he got folded like an accordion. So that play that he got hurt on, he literally got folded up. I think one thing, and my guess is it's a groin or it's, it's something to do with the, the muscles in his legs um, or his potentially lower back. I'm, I'm going legs though. So, I think what we're seeing is he can't do the things like the turns, the edging that he can do. So like, cause I, his edging when it's at its best is unbelievable. Like it's some of the best I've ever seen. And my guess is he can't do that. And he's frustrated, but if he can play, he's, he's your star player. He needs to find ways to do what he's doing at least now. So it feels like he's finally like come around now. And I don't know if this has a thing to do with Dean DeHines or not, because again, I feel like he started to get his, I feel like he started to come back a little bit with Dean as coach. But I think that's the thing is you have to basically know if you're cleared to play, you have to give, and you're as good as he, he is. He's still at, you know, let's say he's still 75% tax. He has to give you more than what he was. And I know that's a tough thing and it might hurt too, but his importance is so high that I think at a minimum, what we're seeing now is the fair ask. And if he can get back to his old self, that's awesome. But if he can't, he still can't disappear. And I guess if Boldy was playing better, like if he, you could probably maybe make the case to to IR him and, you know, move Boldy up to your top line and he can produce your offense, but you got both of your two superstar players who are struggling to score goals here. I mean, I know Kaprizov is uh, what I think just one or two even strength goals all season long. It's been kind of kind of an embarrassment, and Boldy went seven weeks without scoring either. So, yeah, I, I think the injury is still bugging him. And again, that's where you know from the from the top of our show of how how sustainable is this? I can't expect Connor Dewar to be the guy to save you every single night. Like Dewey had a great night; that was awesome, right. cool for him. He gets rewarded with with some goals. Should have had a fourth, but. If Connor Dewar is the one that's driving your offense or the one that you're relying on to drive your offense, you got some big problems here. Uh, so 
yeah, they need him to be need Kirill Kaprizov, that is, to be a lot more healthier and, and just be more consistent. And if him and Broldy get golden, going, again, I can start changing my tune on this team, but I need to see a long, sustained success of, of those two getting their play back in the right direction. I think that's in- entirely fair. And and the defense has to continue to at least be acceptable, passable. Um, and, and I think their top, their top four guys, if they're playing well, are okay. I'd still like to see... I'd like to see more from Spurgeon, but he also does a lot of small stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that does not mean that I think when, when he came back, he obviously was playing great. Uh, Middleton scored the goal last night. I'll reiterate what I said again, though. I don't need him to be pinching into plays constantly. I think that that has, if someone's going to pinch into a play, I'd far prefer it Spurgeon because I think he's the superior skater. Um Faber's incredible. Like he screws up, but he's still, I mean, he plays so much. I can't yeah, fault him. He's great. Yep. And Brodeen, Brodeen is solid for sure. No question about that. Um, I think that last pairing still scares me. Goligoski scares me. Merrill scares me. Bogosian is he's who fine. he is. Yeah, he's yeah. just a bit, he's yeah. a big presence back there. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I need to see a long sustained period of this. And I'm curious because the change was made so early in the season, what they can do now. And again, they don't have to be great. You got to be competent. You got to act like you know what you're doing out there in these last two games. They definitely have. And for whatever reason, that was lacking completely. Um, But yeah, they've got to, if Kirill continues to turn the corner, that's going to be huge. So, all right. I think that's all we got. Judd's Hockey Show off two consecutive wins. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk the Wild would be this great after we spent the entire month of November being down on them because, quite frankly, they were terrible. What, four episodes this week, too? Four episodes. We had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We did two on Monday. Two on Monday, one Wednesday, one today on Friday. That's a lot of of content for you out there. And thanks to all of you who watch us. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, hit the subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment. This is Judd's Hockey Show specifically. Pass, shoot, score.